Good morning, my confident queens. It's your confidence cheerleader, Kiri, coming at you with another incredible interview from our badass mompreneurs, ready to give their best tips, tricks, and stories to finding and creating the most confident you. Let's get into it. Good afternoon, Casey. Hi, how's it going, Kyrie? Good. How are you today? I'm doing awesome. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you. I think um, you are such a breath of fresh air in talking about something that's like really hard, but doing it in such a great way. So I'm super excited for this conversation that we're about to have. Well, thank you. So do you want to just kind of uh, start us out by introducing yourself, who you are and what you do? Absolutely. So my name is Casey Wyke, and I'm a parenting coach and sex educator. I've been in education for the past 12 years and recently transitioned to having my own business where I get to help coach families and support them along the way through those kind of tough and awkward sex conversations about bodies, boundaries, consent, pornography, all the things. So um, that's what I'm doing now. It's been super fulfilling um, and fantastic, but I'm also a wife and a mom. I have two kiddos and they are two and three. So I am a handful. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. I have a, he's almost four, so pretty close. Those twos and threes are rough. (laughs) Well, that's awesome. So what inspired you to kind of start your own business, specifically helping parents with that sex education? So there was a few things. Um, the, The first one was that I was feeling like I was kind of being pulled out of the classroom. I knew I wanted to do something. I still wanted to kind of have that teaching lens. Um, that's what my degree and my master's degree are in education. Um, but I was just feeling like I was shifting away from being in the classroom and I wanted to still do something. So I was working with a tutoring client of mine and she had mentioned like, oh man, when we lived in this other state, there's people who did these like coaching programs to help parents with sex ed. And I was like, oh, I used to teach sex ed for middle schoolers. Like I love talking about that. And then I talked to, um, a cousin of mine and she was like oh you know what one of my favorite things to talk about is sex education and I'm like that's so funny that you bring that so I felt like it came up several times in a short period of time so it really got me thinking like well I'm comfortable talking about this and I don't have a problem and you know what there were so many I feel like missed opportunities growing up that I wish could have been done differently that I am now trying to do differently with my own kids and I thought you know why not me you know I have this experience I've worked with adults through um, I used to I taught some college classes for a while. I've taught middle school students. I've taught young children. So I have a wide range of teaching and experience. I've taught the sex ed. Um, and I'm not, I'm not afraid to say it. I'm not afraid to talk about it. So I just jumped in with both feet and started on this new adventure. And it's been awesome. I love that so much. And I always, that's something that I always run into when I'm talking to like mompreneurs is like we are in a certain place where we feel like we should like, be completely fulfilled but something's still pulling us away and like there's this recurring theme that happens and we're like oh my gosh that's it that's what I need to do that's my purpose so I think that's so cool that you you kind of have that same story um (laughs) so what are some of the specific things that you focus on when you're working with parents and like what ages should we start talking about certain topics with our children Yeah, so there's kind of this misconception out there that parents should wait until their kids like hit puberty. 
to talk about changing bodies and sex and things like that. Um, and if you wait that long, then you've kind of missed it. I mean, there's still an opportunity to talk to your kids and I don't want to say don't go talk to them at that point if you haven't, but really there's so much um, like foundational pieces. There are so many foundational pieces that we can add in and kind of layer in as our child develops and grows up so that when they um, are facing these changes or when they're faced with something in real life, they know how to handle it. It's, it doesn't feel awkward or foreign to them. It's something they've always grown up talking about. Um, so some of the things that I help parents with are talking about just the bodies, changing bodies, the correct, um, using correct anatomy, um, going what to expect when their child goes through puberty, how do you talk about sex at the different age levels, um, dealing with harder topics like pornography or masturbation. Um, those are some, you know, kind of hot topics right now, but things that are really important for kids to know how to handle, how to navigate, and how their parents feel about them. So I personally recommend starting as early as age two, which I know might sound shocking because some people are like, I am not telling my two-year-old about sex, and that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> but you can really, like I said, plant little seeds and set the foundation when your kids are young. So like with my two and three-year-old, like we are using correct um, anatomy terms for their bodies. They, they know when my daughter asked, um, you know, how does the baby come out? I told her exactly how a baby comes out. I didn't, you know, I didn't say the stork brought a baby or, you know, <laughs> um, I told her that there's a great place in a woman's body called a uterus and a baby can grow in there. It's really special. And, um, so we've talked about some of those things now so that when I say the word uterus later on, or I say vagina or penis or something like that, they're just words. They're, they're normal words. My kids have used them. They feel comfortable using them, talking about them um, so that I can build on those conversations as they grow up. So hopefully that answers you. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does. Um, I, that's something I've been really huge on with my four-year-old is we use correct anatomy terms for everything. Um, and it's very interesting. He just like takes it like, oh, yep, that's what it's called. And like, it's not this huge deal, which I definitely wanted to change that from the way that I grew up because it was very taboo to say anything yeah. like that in my household. Yes, same um, with me. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind and of it, a big change for me as a parent coming from like this place where it was a very taboo topic to trying to be very open about it. So what tips would you give me or someone like me that were like trying to flip that script in our households? For sure, for sure. So we're moving from this like kind of um, like secretive taboo or like maybe your parents only gave you like one talk when you were 12 or 14 you know it was like two after two you three, had the little you know? middle school yeah. one yeah <laughs> right um and so what I'm trying to let parents know is that so I get a lot I'll just say this too I get a lot of like well you know if we talk about these things too early then we're taking away the innocence of our children let them be little let them be kids and what the research is really showing is that kids who are informed and confident and know about their bodies, they know about appropriate touch and inappropriate touch. They know, um, you know, have to, have to advocate for themselves and, and say, yes, I want to be touched, you know, whether it's a hug or a kiss or a handshake, anything like that, little things. Um, and later it translates into, you know, maybe a sexual relationship, but um, 
if we do that early and we're talking early and often with our kids, they actually are more likely to engage in sexual activity at a later age. When they do engage in sexual activities, they're more likely to use protection and be safe um, and less likely to engage in risky behavior, other risky behaviors like drinking and drugs and things like that. So the research is showing us the opposite of what our culture typically thinks. So when parents are feeling nervous, I usually tell them, like one of the biggest hurdles to get over is like saying words, you know? Um, and I try and let them know, like they're just words. Like we say elbow, we say forehead, you know, when we're teaching our kids their body parts, they should know all the body parts. They're just words. We've grown up maybe um, and with some shame or some fear around those terms because of the way we were raised, but kids don't have that shame or fear unless we put that onto them. Mm -hmm. So practicing the words, get comfortable. Um, and I work a lot with parents on, identifying some of the roadblocks that are kind of maybe holding them back. So uh, I have them get clear on what their family values are. And then we talk about ways that once we establish those family values, how are we going to embed those into conversations along the way? And then I want parents to know too, that it's not like a one and done conversation, like a big sit down lecture that we're expecting you to have. We're having thousands of just one to two minute conversations with our kids throughout their lifetime. Um, little talks here and there as they come up. And uh, it doesn't have to be a big thing and you don't have to be a massive expert in everything, um, which is nice to know too. You don't, you don't have to know it all. And even as someone who does this for a living, I don't even know it all. There's so much out there to learn. And so letting your kids know when they ask a question, like, oh, that's a really great question. I'm so glad you asked that. And I want to give you the correct information. So why don't we circle back later? And then you have time to look it up and, um, you know, figure out, what you want to say, you don't have to always respond in the moment or go into a big, long, drawn out answer. Most of the time, kids just want to know very minimal. Um, you know, my daughter, for example, she found a tampon. She said, mom, what's this? She just wanted to know the name. She didn't, she hadn't seen it. She didn't know what it was, you know, um, but I could have gone on about the whole, you know, I'm going to have cycles and these are periods and this is menstruation. I could have done that, but she wasn't in that moment ready for that. So kind of gauging that as a parent and going, wait, 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 did you want to know the name of this item? And she was like, yeah, I do. So then I just, you know, was able to tell her that. So parents can kind of take a deep breath, be reassured your kid is not always looking for all the details. Usually they're not. Yeah, <laughs> so. no. We tend to over explain things. And I think that kind of uh, comes from our own insecurities, maybe when we're talking about that, that we tend to ramble on <laughs> about things. I definitely think it's interesting um, that you bring up like the, the research specifically shows that this like actually helps promote better and safer sex like as you get older, yeah. which is great. And I think it's so true because I did grow up in this like very taboo kind of world around sex. I, I, I was raped at 17 and mm. I did not tell anybody because I was so ashamed of it and didn't know, I, I don't think I knew exactly what was happening in that moment and I didn't know how to explain it to anybody else. So I definitely feel like it would have been very beneficial for me to have more of that open conversation throughout growing up. Yeah, absolutely. So you have the support and I'm, I'm so sorry that happened to you, but also in a sense, glad that you were able to talk about it now and then bring that experience so that you can you know, make a difference in the life of your child and the life of others and sharing that story of the importance of it. Um, Absolutely. And I think we're 
probably similar ages, Kyrie, where we were raised, you know, in this like abstinence only culture yeah, and yeah. very conservative. And unfortunately, that was kind of a detriment to, <laughs> to that wave of, you know, kids and adolescents that grew up with, with that. Um, mm-hmm. Something I just want to point out, like, I think family values are so, so important, but 95% of adults do not wait until they're married to engage in sexual activity. So as much as we want to share that or preach that in our, you know, in the churches or in our homes, we also need to be giving the kids the information that they need to be safe, to be healthy, and to engage in happy and meaningful relationships mm-hmm. um, so, that, so that they're prepared for the real world. Um, and again, sharing our values is super important. And they're more likely to, to adhere to our family values, but we need to explain what they are and why early and often instead of just saying like, wait until you're married, wait until you're married, you know, and then you, then you're putting that shame on your kids if, yeah. if they don't wait or if something happens. So we want to try Absolutely. and eliminate that. Absolutely. Well, and I think it's interesting, even if you do like believe in abstinence and stay abstinent until marriage and then marriage happens and you're like, okay, wait, now what? Nobody ever talked to me past this point. Like what am I right. supposed to do right. now? And exactly. it becomes like this, even taboo thing between your marriage sometimes like you can't communicate properly with your spouse about you know what feels good what you like all of those types of things too absolutely and we and we want to rate like I I feel like as moms we always want to do better like every generation of parents right wants to do better than the previous generation and so now that we know more now that we know you know there's research to back this up saying like no kids do need the information they do need to know and the fact that social media um, you know, so available, we need to be preparing our kids and equipping them for what's to come um, so that they are prepared no matter what age they are when they, we are all sexual beings. We are, <laughs> we are born and wired that way. So mm-hmm. it's something so important for the rest of their life. And so as a parent, even thinking, wow, what do I want for my child for their sexual health, for their sexual, you know, they get to choose, mm-hmm. um, you know, what they do, but, but are we preparing them and giving them the tools they need to be able to make good choices, to be able to um, engage in healthy relationships, to be able to advocate for things that they want or don't want. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I know you brought up earlier, like some of the more difficult topics that you like help parents. And I, I would guess more of the teenage group kind of work through is like pornography and masturbation. How do you usually like help the parents walk through those conversations because those I can imagine can be really awkward and kind of hard. (laughs) Yeah, they can be, Um, but they don't have to be. So that's kind of also my approach is that I want parents to be able to like take a deep breath, step back, and it doesn't have to be scary. Um, We can kind of practice what we want to say. I give parents a lot of um, uh, sentence stems, questions questions they can ask, sentence starters they can use to, to help them feel more comfortable and help their child open up. Um, parents are often surprised to learn that the average age um, that a child is typically exposed to pornography is between nine and 11, um, which is so much younger than most most people realize. And that about, I believe it's 90 to 95% of middle schoolers have seen pornography by the end of eighth grade. Wow. Um, at least insane. one. So, so we can't wait. We can't wait for it to happen and, and be reactive. I really am passionate about being a proactive parent. Um, and so even like as your kids are 
tiny. There's resources out there to help them know um, and start to understand that there are, you know, things out there in this world that are for adults and are for kids. And there are things that are helpful for our bodies and our minds and things that are harmful for that. Um, there's even like this book that I'm about to share with my with my own kids, Good Pictures, Bad okay. Pictures Junior. Um, just let them know in general, like sometimes there are things like the family pictures on our wall, those are good pictures, they make us happy. Um, and sometimes there are pictures that are inappropriate for a child to be viewing. There's a reason that we have privacy and that we cover some of our body up when we go you know, to the beach and things like that. So like those types of seeds and things can help lead in to those conversations later. Um, and, and it's easy for parents to like freak out, like my kid stopped pornography on the you know on the bus when they're you know on a friend's phone or something um but the more that we can kind of bite our tongue and have a more open and honest conversation instead of like reacting and being upset about it like oh you know what it is so common to come across this stuff on the internet because it is that's a true statement or saying something like you know I I know as kids it's like you're really curious about sex and that's okay to be curious I would love have a conversation with you about it or give you more appropriate resources to deal with that so when I'm coaching parents I give them a lot of resources book resources online resources and again talking tips that they can use to approach these conversations um, and then with the self-pleasure and masturbation piece that's again um, a normal natural thing that kids are going to do even from a young age in their diaper you know as you're changing mm -hmm. their diaper and so letting them know that's normal there's a lot of nerve endings that can feel really good um, but there's a time and a place for that. And so giving them those boundaries that, you know, in a closed room in your bedroom would be more appropriate than here in the living room or, <laughs> um, you know, and not, again, not shaming them because we don't want them to be raised feeling shame for um, being who they are and wanting to explore their body and know more about that. And again, like we had talked about doing that growing up, even if it's not in a sexual way, helps them understand their body better so then they can advocate later to a partner or, you know, in a potential experience, you know, sexual experience, they can say, I like this, I don't like this. Um, or that's not appropriate for you to touch me there. I don't want that kind of thing. Um, and it, get, it really empowers them. So, so normalizing these topics and letting them know, um, you know, from the pornography aspect, like there are dangers out there in the world that we need to be prepared, prepared for. This is what you can do to handle them. And then, also being accepting and understanding of what's going on with their body um, can really help kids. Yeah, definitely. Well, and I think it's super important that you offer those like resources and stuff um, because ultimately knowledge is power, right? For the parents, for the kids. Um, having that knowledge and those resources is so important to that overall development. So I love that you do that. Um, what other kind of last things would you say to any parents who are raising children from young to teen and everything like that about how they can better help you know in their sex education yeah I would just say that it's it's never too late and it's never too early to start so don't beat yourself up like we're all doing the best that we can do and I'm just here to support parents along along that journey wherever they fall so if you didn't start when your child was two and now they're 10 it's okay to start talking about it now and say like, hey, this is you know, a really big important topic that we haven't talked about and I should have talked about it sooner, but I'm gonna start now because I really care about you and I care about your development. So parents shouldn't freak out 
um, if they haven't talked about it, but also don't, don't shy away from it. Um, remember that this is an important part of who they are and we want to help them grow into the best possible humans that we can. And, and so this is part of that. And by going to them early and often, we can be their go-to source. They won't have to Google everything. They won't have to get information from a movie or a friend and believe you know, that it's true. They will come to us and say, hey, I heard this weird thing. Is this true? And you can help explain it to them. Um, and that's ultimately what we want. We want to be there. And, and the more that we talk about them, the stronger bond or talk with them, the stronger bond that we can build with our kids. Um, and actually even throw out another statistic for you, three out of four college students said that they wish their parents had talked more about them yeah. and they wish yeah. they had given them more information about their family values and, and things surrounding that. So even if kids are saying, ew, gross mom, stop, you know, <laughs> they truly deep down, they truly wanna know and they truly care. So maybe in that moment we need to stop, but it doesn't mean shut down all conversations. So I just wanna say to parents, please be open to talking. Um, if you need support, please reach out. I have lots and lots of resources to help. I run workshops, um, different workshops throughout different months to help support parents. I do one-on-one -on -one coaching. I'm working on um, a course right now that'll launch hopefully later in <laughs> later this year. Um, but there are so many great resources out there nowadays that you don't have to do this alone and you don't have to be um, struggling. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, and you have great like free stuff available on your social media. You do awesome informative reels on how to talk through certain topics and stuff. Um, so I absolutely love it. So where can people find you and all of your resources and sign up for your courses, all the things? Yeah, so the best place to find me is on Instagram at Casey Wyke, C-A-S-E-Y-W-I-K-E. And then I also have a website, caseywyke.com. And that's where you can sign up for any workshops or coaching um, things that I have going on on my website there. And you'll find me on Clubhouse too. I don't have a, a weekly scheduled room, but I do jump on Clubhouse every once in a while um, and host rooms on there, or co-moderate rooms um, to support parents as well which is where I found you. You have great clubhouse uh, sessions. So uh, thanks. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. I think this was such a good conversation to have and I hope it, it really opens up parents to those types of conversations and education. Um, so thank you so much for being here. Absolutely, I appreciate you and all that you're doing. So thank you. Wow. Wasn't that a great conversation? I want to thank our guests so much for being here. If you guys found value in this conversation, please like, share, and make sure to follow our guest and me on Instagram and at our websites. And if you are interested in confidence coaching with me and doing some one-on-one, -on -one, you can go reach out to me on The Confident Mompreneur on Instagram or at theconfidentmompreneur.com. Thank you so much for being here. See you next time.